0: The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. You know, I yesterday was real reluctant to say, because we were literally coming out of a very dangerous situation on the west coast of the state. Hurricane Idalia was in the, when I got on the air, we already knew that it had passed through certain parts of the West Coast, but we didn't know what kind of damage there was. But I did make a a slight comment about how if you live in Florida, you expect hurricanes. We get hurricanes. We've actually had a long period of time. We did have a long period of time where we weren't plagued with so many hurricanes. And I think many of us got very lax about our preparing for a hurricane or having the right kind of supplies. Like it always amazes me when we hear there's a hurricane that's coming and everybody rushes to get water and everybody rushes to get whatever, you know, supplies, batteries and candles and all this other stuff. Once it's like, I don't know, I guess it may be April or May. I check all my hurricane supplies. They're all in a big, you know, bin. And I keep them in a storage facility right here on in my building. And I always take it out and I look through it. I mean, obviously some stuff has to be replaced. I check the batteries. I have a little battery tester. I check the batteries. So, you know, most of the time if the battery hasn't been opened. If you haven't opened up the package, you're good to go. I make sure that I have two or three flashlights that are in working order. I make sure that I have uh, one of these chargers for the phone, you know, that you can pre-charge. I actually have three of them because I've learned that you could be without electricity for a couple of days, and I keep buying these ridiculous carry around charges for when I travel, because I don't like plugging into the outlets and airports. Everybody's hacking your stuff when you do that. So I take them out of the bin and I plug them all in. And I actually have like a, a row of plugs that I can plug them all in and they're ready, they're ready to go. I also make sure all the time that I have water I mean, who lives in Florida and doesn't have water most of the time? Even if all you have is one of those big five-gallon things that people put upside down on a dispenser, even though you don't have the dispenser, you buy one of those and you stick it in the uh, storage room. Actually, what I do is whenever I see bottled water go on sale, you know, it's like three for $10, I buy it and I store it. I actually store it in a corner of my kitchen. And when I use it, I replace it the next time I see three. So I always have water, not just during hurricane season. Everything else, you really know you're not going to be able to to do much about foodstuffs. Anything that's in your freezer or your refrigerator will probably uh, be lost if you lose power for an extended period of time. I always keep a certain amount of canned goods. Not a lot, because I just don't like canned goods. And it's just fascinating to me to see everybody running crazy. So there's a meteorologist named Ryan, I think his name is pronounced Maui, M-A-U-E. And he was obviously watching the same nonsense I was watching, especially on CNN, where they were like hysterical in the middle of the, uh, landing on Florida's Gulf Coast early yesterday morning. And there was a report from CNN's Bill Weir, and that name, you know, I remember, because Bob Weir was uh, is part of the Grateful Dead. Anyway, Bill Weir claimed that if we keep using fossil fuels, we're going to have intense major storms. They're going to increase. And he argued that states like Florida... Where we have a lot of the economy dependent on drilling in the Gulf of Mexico, would just have to learn how to balance financial interests with climate mitigation efforts. These people are so sick. They really are. You know, the science has been warning about this for a very long time. These climate nuts, and that's what they are, they're nuts. They'll blame everything on the fact that we have fossil fuels tornadoes, fossil fuels, hurricanes, fossil fuels, floods, fossil fuels. I mean, come on, guys. That's not the reason that we have hurricanes. We had hurricanes long before we had motors. Hurricanes are part of the reality of weather, but they just They can't help themselves. They have to use every opportunity. It's like if there's a shooting, we have to talk gun control. If there's a climate happening, a natural climate happening, nothing that really could have been brought about by man but is literally a climate happening event, they start asking the the trillion dollar question, how do you adapt communities like this to the world that we're already now living in? At the same time, trying to mitigate further more wicked storms. I mean, they talk like, um, like blithering idiots. That's all I can say. So I watched this guy Bill Weir the other yesterday, going through all this nonsense. It's the only time I turn on the TV is if there's a catastrophic event, right? So I turn it on, and he's talking. These fossil fuels, the cost of using fossil fuels becomes bigger with every storm. No, it doesn't. The storms weren't even that big. This storm wasn't even that big. Idalia was predicted to be a four, a three or a four. It ended up being a two. And while that's no joke, and while it was probably a strong uh, effect in Cedar Keys, Give me a break. You know, to assume that it has anything to do with me driving my car is just uh, over the top. But they're always over the top. You know, they put on their raincoats and they have the fan blowing so that their hair looks like it's, you know, a mess. And, and then they put up graphics with all these details. In 1896, the Cedar Keys hurricane also made landfall in Florida's Big Bend with 125 miles per hour wind. Well, if that's true, What does that have to do with fossil fuel? Because I'm guessing that in 1896, we weren't using much fossil fuel, were we? People were still burning logs. You know, people still had stoves that were wood-fired. It's just, it's so predictable, right? It's just predictable, and they just can't help themselves, much like they can't help themselves when it comes to Donald Trump. They just... They have this sickness. They have to use even the most awful things to further their agenda, even if their agenda is untrue or literally crazy. That's all I'm gonna say. Look, do I think that man and their behavior has an effect on our environment? Yes, I do. But I believe there's a counterbalance to that. That our standards of living are directly related So some of the things that we have done to improve life, even for people in third world countries. You know, nobody is rattling the door at China or India or some of these other vastly growing and literally, you know, doing well countries that could care less about how much fossil fuel they're using. They're trying to get electricity to people in remote parts. They're trying to have cars and buses and trains carrying people from place to place. People are tired of having horse-drawn carriages in 2023. So nobody says a word to them about, oh, you're contributing to climate change and Idalia was, uh, uh, was worse because of you. No, no. My question is always, why didn't Idalia intensify during the three days it sat over the Northwest Caribbean? Was it actually made stronger because of climate change? That doesn't even make sense. It really doesn't. Did somebody forget to, to, to turn a knob or something? But hey, don't confuse them with logic or with science because they tell you you're the science denier they're the science deniers they're the people who don't think that a baby in the womb is a is a life you know even though science has clearly established that it is a life and if you want to argue that the mother's life is more important make that argument but don't tell me it's not a life don't tell me it's a clump of cells you know if I have cancer that's a clump of cells if I'm pregnant that's a baby Okay, and, and confusing the two is something only the left does. I say be honest. Just tell me that you think it's okay for a woman to, to kill her baby and, and then make your case, you know. But don't, don't pretend. Don't, don't use science because the science is on the side of pro-life people and the science is on the side of people who think that all this climate hysteria is really just a political agenda, and we're sick and tired of it. Hurricane Idalia, you know, did as much damage as it did, not because of climate change, but because that's the nature of hurricanes, you know? And I'm just grateful that it didn't come here. That's all. It went there. Sometimes they get to watch when it comes here. Sometimes we all watch when it goes to Texas or somewhere else. But hurricanes are hurricanes, and they will behave as hurricanes, whether or not I have a gas engine or an electric car. How about that? And if I had an electric car and the grid was down, I'd be without a vehicle. Just saying. Just being realistic. All right, I will be talking in the latter half of the show with Chris Eddy, who's running for Congress or running in the primary for Congress. I'm also going to be talking in the next week with his uh, primary opponent or pr- his primary primary opponent because they're involved in a very uh good effort and we're going to talk about that cuz constitution day is coming up. In the meantime, don't forget to download the 850 WFTL app or go to our 850 WFTL website on your computer or your phone because you can participate in all kinds of cool contests, you can get climate updates, climate updates. How about that? And of course, you can listen to all the podcasts, the UA um the Unidentified Aliens podcast, UAP. You can listen to uh, Bill talk about parenting, pretty funny stuff. And of course, you can listen to the No Restraint podcast. And you can listen to all our shows if you missed one. For now, let me take a quick break. I'll be right back. Okay, now for all of you people who think that uh, Donald Trump will not be able to run because some doofuses are arguing that the Fourteenth Amendment of the Constitution would would not allow him to run, but I, th- that's simply not true. I was listening to, I think it was uh, who's the guy who oversees elections in Arizona, which is a pretty contested place, he said, I don't care what the op-ed in the Atlantic says about the 14th Amendment, you can't enforce that. He went He went on and said, look, the court's decision is stupid because in the Atlantic Magazine, Lawrence Tribe, who's a law professor and a big time liberal and some other former appellate judge who's conservative, put forth an argument saying that the 14th Amendment renders the former president ineligible for a return to the presidency, and it specifically refers to Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, which stipulates that individuals who have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the government are ineligible for holding public office. Well, that's all fine and dandy, but you can't prove anything like that. And all these law cases, they're going to amount to, in my opinion not a whole lot of noise you know will they accomplish what they're trying to accomplish which is to make him um unelectable that's possible not in my book but it's possible i also wanted to say that you know there there has been a lot of terrorism going on in israel and i get pretty sick and tired of hearing people defend the terrorists i really do But some documents were just exposed, and Daniel Greenfield wrote a great piece in the, uh, well, I saw it in, in the Zionist Organization of America's publication. And these documents reveal that the State Department applied for this OFAC license, which exempts it from global terrorist sanctions regulations so that they could provide foreign aid And last year, President Biden met with Mahmoud Abbas, who's the leader of the Palestinian Authority, and and he boasted, I reversed the policies of my predecessor and resumed aid to the Palestinians, more than half a billion dollars in 2021. Well, tell that to the family of Batshiva Nigri, a preschool teacher who was riding in a car with her 12-year-old de- daughter when Islamic terrorists from the PA's Al-Aqsa Martyrs Brigade cut them off and riddled the car with 22 bullets. And her 12-year-old daughter got to watch her, die, her mother die. And then the Palestinian Authorities terror group hailed the murder of this preschool teacher as a, quote, natural response to the crimes of the occupation and as revenge for Dennis Michael Rohan, who was a non-Jewish Australian tourist who started a fire in the Al-Aqsa Occupation Mosque in 1969. So here's a preschool teacher who everybody described as having a heart of gold. All the kids were like her kids. And Hamas and Islamic Jihad claim that her murder glorifies Allah. And we have an administration who funds that PA that not just tolerates this, but applauds this. There was another incident yesterday. The only time the number of terror victims has fallen every year in the last, well, I don't know, since uh, 1980? The only time it fell every year was when Donald Trump was in office. So for all of you out there, especially those of you who are Jews in not name only, but are Jews who go to temple and who believe, you know that Trump was the best thing that ever happened to Israel. The terror events in Israel were 15 in 2017, 12 in 2018, 10 in 2019, and then only three in 2020. Ever since Joe Biden took office, It went from 17 in 2021 to 31 in 2022. And we're already at that level in 2023. Twice as many Israelis were killed in one month of Joe Biden than in one year of Donald Trump. And you want to sit here and tell me you're not going to support Donald Trump or I'll only support him if everybody else is knocked out of the race? I guess Israel doesn't mean that much to you. I'm getting used to this. You know, it's all about the Benjamins. Maybe Ilhan Omar was right. And in 2018, Congress passed the Taylor Force Act, which was named after an Iraq war veteran who was stabbed to death by a terrorist in Jerusalem. And then we cut off most of the aid to the Palestinian Authority. In 2019, Trump went even further, nearly cut off all the aid to the PA. Biden not only restored the aid, he increased the flow of cash to the terrorists. Half a billion dollars helped fuel a massive surge in Islamic terrorism. We're watching it unfold again yesterday. So successful killers can earn $3,000 a month in a part of the world where the average salary is around $700 a month. So it's five times more profitable to be a terrorist than a teacher. So the price of Bathsheba's life, and this is what the Biden administration has been paying for, disgusting. They disgust me. Anthony Blinken disgusts me. The entire State Department disgusts me. And certainly this administration disgusts me. And if they don't disgust you, you're listening to the wrong show. That's all I'm going to say. And instead, you want to talk about how uh, we better get rid of our gas engines and gas stoves and gas-fueled homes and gas-fueled electric grid and uh, worry about climate change, but just let the terrorists kill as many people in Israel as they want to. My priorities are just different, and and I'm, I'm proud of my priorities. I really am. I stand on the principle. So um, let me take a break. I want to talk with Chris Eddy in the next segment, and uh, and it's going to be interesting because there's a new project that's going on locally. And it's going on in Broward County. I think it's going on probably all over the country. But I'm concentrating right now on a county where you got a whole lot of people in the Broward School Board and in the school system that could care less about teaching civics to our children. So it's going to be up to people in the community to do that. So stay right where you are. I'll be back in just a moment. All right. Welcome back. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I asked this question just the other day. And I think it was yesterday that I asked the question. And it's a question that Chris Eddy, who is uh, a retired brigadier general, he's got a PhD in leadership, a bunch of master's degree, and he's running in a primary for the Republican nomination for District 25. And I met him at an event and he asked this question when he was ad- I think he addressed the uh, audience and he said did you ever look at the people who are leading this country and ask yourself is this the best we can do and i asked that very question yesterday so uh, thank you for coming on dr Eddie. i appreciate your time how you doing
1: i'm doing great uh, thanks for the opportunity
0: well i got an email about one of the efforts that you're involved in with the 917 organization. Now, I happen to love this group. The 917 Society, by the way, makes sure that, I think it's middle school kids each have a copy of the constitutions. Is that right? That's correct. Uh,
1: eighth graders, not just at Broward, but all over the country. The organization's already disseminated one million wow. pocket constitutions to eighth graders across the country. And obviously with each school year, you have to do that again. Uh, right. We've had great success so far at Broward.
0: Really? Um, I'm surprised because this is such a uh, liberal county. Um, What did you do? You're going to be distributing these. uh, How do you get them? And what's the effort that you had to put into this?
1: Well, a great friend of ours, Mary Lopez Palma, and her husband Armando, headed up the effort here in Broward County. Uh, They have 48 volunteers, everything from school kids to adults, and they met, uh, thanks to Brenda Pham, who I know you know very well, sure. met with the superintendent, the new superintendent of schools, and he was very enthusiastic about this project. So he opened up the gateway to allow us to contact uh, 130 different schools, and Mary and her team have done great, and I'm just one person that, that's doing a little bit. Uh, so 130 schools of eighth graders, uh, which counts 24,000 wow. of these pocket constitutions are being disseminated. Uh, from last week uh, up until uh, the end of this week. I think we'll probably bleed over into the following week as well. So we've had good reception, not only from the superintendent, but from the principals and the civics teachers as well, because they realize it's a free resource, non political, and it's uh, mandated by state law that they teach the Constitution. And this, and this obviously helps them. Uh, and, and the best thing about this choice is the kids then take this home. Right. So a lot of their families may be immigrant communities and they never have seen the Constitution. So this puts it in the hands not just of the eighth graders, which is important, but their families as well.
0: Well, Constitution Day is coming up. I think it's the seventeenth of September, right? That, that's correct. That's when
1: the uh, Constitution was uh, formally uh, ratified. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's where the nine seventeen September seventeenth Society. Uh, comes in, and I'm glad you urged everyone to check out that organization. It's 917society.org. Mm-hmm. Uh, doing phenomenal things on shoestring uh, budgets, and $20 goes a long way for this group to put uh, constitutions in the hands of every eighth grader.
0: You know, I think it's uh, amazing to me how little we actually teach about this country. So when you say a civics teacher, I didn't even know we had any of those left. Because even my kids who were in their 40s, when they went to public school in Broward County, they only had one teacher who ever taught them civics. And, you know, how do you live in a country and not know there are three branches of government? How do you not know what the executive branch does or the judiciary does or the legislative branch? It's mind boggling to me. And that's why you see the stupidity when it comes to elections that you see.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned, uh, you know, you look on the TV, is this the best we could do for elected politicians? Some of our elected officials didn't even know there's three branches uh, right. of government. And AOC. And how the separation of powers is supposed to work. Yeah. Uh, so it's important to get them early in the eighth grade uh, so they at least have that basic understanding. And hopefully it, it ignites a thirst for knowledge and to be curious about the founding of our country.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, why did you decide that you wanted to run for office? Because I can imagine that uh, this is not something that you necessarily thought about taking on.
1: Yeah, the same thing when I ran for city commission. It really wasn't in our future at all. But, you know, at some point in time, you just get mad enough. And and I had middle school kids at the time who are now in high school. And they said, you know, Dad, quit complaining and do something about it. Mm -hmm. So we decided to do that. And I said we because it is a family commitment. To do this. And the same thing happened federally. You know, when you have open borders, when you have hundreds of millions of dollars being sent to Middle East countries for their border security and none for ours, when you care more about student loan payments than Social Security payments, mm-hmm. uh, eventually somebody's got to address that. And, and you don't hear anybody talking about those important issues on, on, uh, in D.C.
0: Especially, I know that one of your big areas of expertise is fiscal discipline. I mean, how is it that we don't demand that our leaders um, fix this broken financial system where we have tons of debt? Every one of us, I think, is $100,000 in debt and the national debt, and that'll go up. You know, how can that be?
1: Yeah, and, and since we last spoke, Uh, I saw a new data point that just came out. Over the last two years, Americans have to spend $8,500 more a year for the same goods and services they bought just two years ago. Mm -hmm. So I I don't know about you, but I didn't get an $8,500 raise in last two Mm -hmm. years. Uh, And it's just upsetting. Uh, We spent time in Century Village last week, and and the people on fixed income were literally rioting, pounding on the glass doors, wanting to be let into a room. Mm -hmm. They let their voices be heard because they wanted to raise their fees, one mm. to $200 a month. So not a lot of money for some of your audience, but for some of those on a fixed Social Security income of 600 or 700 a 1000 a month, that's a big chunk of change. Yeah. And it's all caused by inflation, as you know, uh, which it was totally preventable. And it, that lesson does not seem to be learned or even heard in Washington, D.C.,
0: and that's nothing compared to what's going to happen when these condominiums are going to have to come after the residents with special assessments for all of the repairs that are going to have to be done. Now we're going to be challenging any building that's 30, 40 years old is going to have to have major structural examination and then repairs and you're right what do you do when you come to that same person who can't afford a hundred dollars a month and say yeah but you got to come up with five thousand by the end of the year it's crazy yeah
1: you know we we went door knocking today and uh one of the houses was a young woman in her 20s and she was near tears she says to eighty thousand dollars for a new roof otherwise i can't get insurance what do i do Uh, And the same thing with the elderly uh, crying in Century Village saying, I've been here 20 years and I have to move because I Mm -hmm. can't afford $200 extra. Mm -hmm. Or they'll have to do a reverse mortgage. But if they're renters, you know, know they're stuck. And it doesn't seem like the focus is where it needs to be in Washington. Hundreds of billions to Ukraine, but none for our most vulnerable population.
0: Yeah. And then, of course, you talked about the border. Uh, I mean, I cannot imagine that anybody, and I know you spent uh, a life in law enforcement, and uh, how could they not want to protect us from an invasion? I mean, if this, we're sending money, as you pointed out, to other countries so that their borders are secure. And meanwhile, we've got people pouring into this country from all over the world. We have no idea where they go or what they intend to do. Yeah.
1: I talked to a parents parent just last week, and they were concerned about safety in schools, school shootings, which are, you know, which happened. But, you know, are, are nothing compared to the murders that happened in Chicago, for example, not to minimize it. But just last year, 1,800 kids, children under the age of 18, lost their lives because of fentanyl overdoses
0: yeah.
1: uh, and opioids. 1,800. I know. You know, you talk about epidemics and crises. 1,800 kids didn't die of COVID. But they certainly did this overdose because of the open border. Mm-hmm.
0: So, and you think uh, you think that going up to Washington uh, won't be the most difficult of all your time? I mean, you've been a brigadier general. You've done all these things. I, I'm here to tell you, serving in this Congress is going to be the hardest thing you ever did.
1: I'm sure. And I've, I honestly, both parties are not going to like me because I'm going to vote no on their spending. Yeah. And I know what they do. They say, well, if you don't support us, we're not going to back you for election and re-election right. and we'll primary you. And you can't be on all these committees. None of that's really important to me. I'm here to represent my district, which includes 42 percent Democrats
0: right. and not the
1: Washington district. And if it doesn't start with me and start now, when does it start?
0: No, listen, I you know, as I said, you got to get through this primary and uh and then, then the real battle begins. How are you doing in terms of volunteers and fundraising?
1: Uh, we're doing great. Uh, we're the first uh, candidacy ever GOP candidacy ever in Broward County to have a super PAC uh, supporting our efforts. Our personal fundraising is going very strong. But more importantly, in fact, my wife today, when we were out door knocking, converted two independents to Republicans so they could vote in the primaries. <laughs> We've converted uh, probably nearly fifty Democrats and independents to Republicans. In just a few months and zero I guarantee you zero people are re-registering from Republican to Democrat
0: no zero so, you know,
1: the, the trends are certainly in our favor um, I do have to win some Democrat votes to win the general election but there are not dissatisfied Democrats out there that realize this is not the party of Kennedy it's not even the party of Clinton anymore That they're willing to look for suitable alternatives.
0: It's the party of Debbie Wasserman Schultz, unfortunately, (laughs) and she is a fundraising, you know, genius. So you've got to be prepared. That's all.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. And and fundraising helps. Any four congress number four uh, dot com. Uh, That certainly helps, but you know, votes count more than money.
0: And that's what we're
1: looking for, and we're out working every day. Uh, And, you know, part of that is educating the public on what's going on, and the 917 Society does a great job of doing that and showing the the importance of the founding of our country and that founding document.
0: Right. Well, good. Thank you so much. Uh, You know, I carry a pocket constitution with me wherever I go because— uh, you know, I, I watch them use it as basically a, a toilet paper in Washington, and I try to remind people that this is still the document that we should turn to at all times. Thanks, Chris, for coming on. Uh, Chris, Eddie, it's eddy, E-D-D-Y, the number four, congress.com. I'll, I'll talk That's to you right. soon. Great. Thanks, Chris. All right. Bye-bye. All right. And and next week, I will have his primary opponent on as well. And both of them veterans and both of them, you know, serious about challenging Debbie Wasserman Schultz. So that's part of being a local radio person. I have to provide you with the information that you really need to make intelligent decisions. Because stop thinking that you can't penetrate some of these communities. You hear what he said? He converted people to register as Republicans, it's not that hard to do. All you got to do is point at Joe Biden. If that doesn't do it, I don't know what will. L- let them uh, you know, explain to you why they would prefer to have a different governor at this moment in time when we're in the best condition of just about every state in the union. Nah. It's, it's It should be an easy argument to make. And apparently Chris said he's trying to make that. All right, let me take a quick break. Don't forget that I have one segment left, but right after me is uh, Eric Erickson. Then tomorrow morning, Jen and Bill will be back, followed by Brian Kilmeade, followed by Dan Bongino. I was just walking outside earlier, and somebody said to me, I really like Dan Bongino. He is very likable if you think like we think. I'll be right back. So I, I just need to you know, throw this out there at people because I was thinking about it. Last night, as I lay down to go to sleep, I went to a movie yesterday. I saw the movie Mend the Line*. I don't know if anybody's even heard of that movie, but it was a, a moody piece. It was a it was an interesting. It's a, it was about a uh, an Afghanistan war veteran who went through a very traumatic battle and uh, his guilt um, at being a survivor, and and then him meeting with this. Uh, or or they arranged the VA hospital in Montana, of all places, beautiful scenery, arranged for him to go fly fishing with this old veteran. But, you know, it was amazing. I came home, and you know after you see a movie that moves you to tears, and I did cry in this movie, I must admit. you, You lay down, and you really start to be very reflective. And one of the things I reflected on was an article I had read earlier about this lawsuit where they have asked the um, the archives, the National Archives, to give them, in a search of the collection for vice presidential records, how many different names Joe Biden used when sending emails to Hunter Biden. Now, I was lying there and I was thinking, have I ever used like a fake name? You know, have I had a fake uh, email account? And I've been JoyceRadio at gmail.com since the internet. At first, when there was nothing but AOL, I was JoyceRadio at aol.com. But then when, uh, you know, AOL was, I don't know, obsolete, I switched to Gmail. And I don't really like Google, but it's been my major source of information um, for years and it was definitely a convenient email f- site for free so I and, I and then I keep it because it's just easy for people to remember when they say well where can I email you Joyce radio at gmail you know it's like easy people remember that but it's fascinating to me I really like thought about it I have a radio station email but I seldom use it. It's only for like business that has to do with management and maybe other radio hosts, but I don't use that one primarily um, for anything else. And I don't have any other any other Gmail accounts. Now, while I was lying there, I said, Now really dig deep. And I realized I did. At one point, I had an email account. And to be perfectly frank, I shouldn't have had it you know, it was an email account that I was using to have communication with somebody I shouldn't have been talking to. How about that? And it was, you know, gosh, it was a long time ago, maybe 13 or 14 years ago. But you know, if you're in this business, you have to be very careful about, you know, you can't act like you're looking for a job. You know, you have an arrangement and you have a relationship with a radio station that's exclusive so you're not supposed to be doing other things and I at one point like 15 years ago set up an email account where I used it only once to be in contact with somebody who was trying to hire me and I just didn't want it to be on any of my regular emails <laughs> And I don't even think I was working for Hubbard for this group. I think I was working for a group that no longer exists. I'm quite sure I was working for James Crystal Radio at the time. And I thought about that. So the only reason anybody ever has a fake email is because they're probably engaging in something they shouldn't be engaging in. So when you find out today that the National Archives is holding about 5,400 emails from accounts that were set up by our current president when he was the vice president that he used to communicate under a fake name with his son, Hunter, while he was vice president in the Obama administration, you ought to be asking yourselves, what kind of two-tier system of justice do we have? How does that not call for special counsel? The lawsuit includes as one of his exhibits a letter from the National Archives Director Stephanie Aureboer to Kimberly S. Herman, General Counsel for the Southeastern Legal Foundation. In the letter, she wrote that the archives had identified almost 54 I- items responsive to the SLF's request. Now, that's a lot of communication for a guy who said he knew nothing about what his son was up to and for a guy who claims his son wasn't up to anything illegal or illicit or anything else. He used names like Robin Ware, Robert L. Peters, and J.R.B. Ware. I don't know what those names mean, but why would the Vice President of the United States have to have fake email addresses? Do, uh, that's a rhetorical question. I'm not asking you to answer it. We all know the answer to it, okay? This is how public officials abuse their power for personal or political benefit. What they do is hide. The only way to preserve governmental integrity is for all these emails to be released. I want to know what's in them. We deserve to know what's in them. But, you know, the courts have to approve that. But anyway, that's it. just just a question. I'm asking, do you ever use a different email account for things? And if so, why? Are you having an affair? Are you doing something illegal? Let me know why. Uh, send it to Radio at gmail.com. I thank you for your time this time. Until next time, my plan is to be back here at 3 o'clock tomorrow if it be his will, and he delays his coming. Remember what lies behind us and lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. May God bless you. May God bless the United States of America. I will see you tomorrow. The Joyce Kaufman podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit
1: coderedroofers.com.